Hear that? Believe it or not, summer is just around the corner. Luckily, Armorall, America's most trusted auto appearance brand, has what your car needs to get that perfect summer shine. Plus, now through May 31st, we'll give you $5 for every 20 you spend on Armorall products. That means car wash pods, protectant, tire shine, you name it. Find out how to get your $5 rebate at armorall.com. Armorall, less work, more clean. Terms apply. Hello, Martin Robbins. Hello, Robert Pacheco. Thank you for joining me. It's nice to talk to you uh, live from your shed. Thanks for coming to my shed. Um, it's difficult to get people in here. That sounds really dodgy, doesn't it? Yes, <laughs> <laughs> yes, it does. Yes, it does. Um, I feel like you're maybe about to give us a musical performance because behind you, uh, hanging on the walls for people who can't see this, um, are two guitars. Um, and just in the corner there, there seems to be a piano. It's not a piano. It's a keyboard. It's, it's, a, it's a synth, actually. Um, yeah, actually, a synth. actually. It's, a synth. it's very nice. It looks like um, a proper den. It's basically because of um, as part of my midlife crisis and also as part of um, going slightly mad during lockdown, I went mad and all the money that I would have spent on train fares to Brighton, I spent on acquiring loads of musical equipment for some reason, most of which I can't use, but it's nice to have around me. I love how you say as part of my midlife crisis, like you've written up a document somewhere that you're like, I can add that in. I'll, I'll add it in as <laughs> one, one of the, one of the many doing. things. Yeah, it's an yeah. ongoing. Have you got any, what, what else? is on your midlife crisis uh chart. oh god there's so much there's so so much this doing this even is actually part of it yeah speaking to you is part of this midlife crisis it's nice this is a this is a window inside to your life uh, where we can see who the real martin robinson is in fact that kind of is the topic really because i want to talk to you today about your racing obsession is it accurate to call it an obsession uh yeah yeah i um i was like do i go to bed thinking about it uh do i wake up do i wake do up you? thinking about it is it um is it the thing that fuels me have you had any standout racing dreams <laughs> i don't think i don't know if i have actually uh i, I got i've got to, I, you you haven't had one where you're winning Le Mans or well, something. Well, no, because I think I get to live those dreams, uh, albeit virtually a lot of the time. Uh, and I was obviously lucky enough to to done done some racing in the past as well. So um, yeah, my my dreams are, are, are reality. Uh, I'm trying to think if I've ever had any good racing dreams. I don't think I have. Sorry. But this is great. that you do it in real real life is is even better. So let's wind back the clock a little bit to a young Martin Robinson who. People, if you're familiar with Eurogamer, whenever there's a racing game review or whenever there's something related to a racing game, it's usually Martin's name attached to the piece. Sometimes Ollie, but mostly Martin. So we're going to track back in time and find out where this obsession begins. So let's go back to a young Martin. Well, my, first, my very first in... word was car. <laughs> um, like quite literally. Uh, but again, then again, it's quite an easy word to say. Easier to say than mum or dad. Uh, and I think my second one was duck. So who knows what that means? <laughs> well, I'm not madly into ducks now. But um, had you said duck first, that might could have changed, changed everything. Your obsession. We haven't really had many duck-related uh, games. I, I did. I reviewed Untitled Goose Game, which is a semi, although they're just kind of related. So maybe uh, in another life, I could have become a duck expert. But anyway, yeah. <laughs> It's it a good is, game. It's really good good. game. So at what point that you remember, um, or maybe that you've been told later by your parents, do you start showing a passion for cars and for racing? It's one thing I've, it's, I really actually remember watching my first ever Grand Prix, which was in 19... 
Actually, I remember seeing an F1 car for the first time when I was six years old. I just turned on the TV and Mansell had had his massive crash at Suzuka in 1987 um, where he uh, broke his back. It's difficult to say Mansell because he used to exaggerate his, uh, his injuries quite a lot. Wow. Um, he might have said like, he, I think he did break his back. Actually, I don't, I don't want to belittle it, um, but um, Mansell was a funny old sausage. Uh, yeah, anyway, so I saw this, this absolutely epic crash that Mansell had in the Williams. Um, I went over and I was just, I remember just being like drawn in by it again. Like, what, what is this strange, this strange car that doesn't look like the car in our, in our drive? Um, what is this strange sport? that's going on and so I kind of um, poked around a little bit more um, I don't think anyone in my immediate family had a real affinity of racing but my, my granddad was massively into motorcycles and everything but um, yeah and I was just kind of obsessed with it and then uh, I watched the first race I properly watched was a 1988 Belgian Grand Prix and I remember the next day I went to a friend's house and they had a scale extra kit and I really annoyed everybody because I tried desperately to um, re recreate the track and recreate the famous bus stop circuit with the scale extra kit and everyone's like what are you doing you know just let us play and I was like no I need to make this corner it was a really good corner and then yeah it's kind of got obsessed my dad was kind enough to um find a local kart track uh for christmas uh christmas 1990 i think it was sent me to a local kart track i was in west london at the time so you're keen enough at this point that your dad is like maybe i should get my son into racing yeah 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 so yeah he took me to a kart track uh and um when i was nine years old which is actually quite a late start for uh, racing drivers um really yeah yeah totally so i because i so i didn't get in the, i didn't get behind the car until i was nine i was fucking terrible at it um at <laughs> <laughs> i remember being so i remember actually being really upset because i was given a voucher to go and do half an hour's karting and i was so unbelievably rubbish at it um and i think i, I think i cried all the way home think because i thought i was going to be amazing uh but then i went another two times and then finally got some courage to actually um to go a bit faster and also realized you don't you shouldn't press both pedals at the same time you go a lot faster if you just press which is also true of driving in real life yeah yeah you go a lot faster if you just press the fast pedal on its own and not the fast not the go stop and the go pedal at the same time yeah it was a, it was a learning process and then yeah kind of got just it, it went from there and then um ended up working at the kart track uh, and then ended up ah then the kart track kindly paid uh, some money to help me race properly like in a so in a championship somewhere wow so how how old are you you start when you're nine and then how old are you when you start working there presumably not nine because that's illegal there are, I mean, to be honest everyone's everyone who worked there has probably died of asbestos poisoning since anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so, it doesn't i can it doesn't matter if I, I can incriminate them all i like uh yeah I was, I was um well, my dad worked there as well my dad used to work there in evenings to get a bit of pocket money basically uh, but i did i started work there when i was i raced there i, I used to go there and do sessions and everything but then i started work when i was about 10 there i think yeah i know it's just i think it just it was the 90s people used to do that kind of thing <laughs> different era yeah uh and i used to get i used to get paid the manager used to be a proper arsehole as well um i remember i did my first my first session working there it was like a double I did there and so it's like 10 hours in a warehouse off the Western Avenue in Acton uh just breathing in uh 10 years old yeah and then I went to go and get paid at the end of it and he gave me a bag of a bag of coppers <laughs> I was like screw you but it sounds quite Victorian doesn't it when you put it like that yeah Martin isn't that old you're not you know this is not 18, yeah, it's eight, sorry, it's even 80 80 yeah it's 1890 um, um but then so... after that like but then by working there, it means I didn't have to pay the, I think it's just like £10 to go and do the kids' session in the morning. But when I started working there, it means I could basically, at 11 o'clock when everyone went home, we could just get the carts out and just do what we want with them. And then you could basically just get unlimited running time around the track. 11 so, o'clock at night. Yeah. 
10 years old. It sounds awful, doesn't it? (laughs) I've never actually stopped to think about how bad it sounds. But yeah, and so you used to get unlimited track time around there. And then various drivers would come in. And then, uh, yeah, then they got an opportunity to do some kind of real racing. So various drivers would come. There's one in particular um, who turned up at one point. Um, I've heard this anecdote before, but who is this mysterious driver who maybe went on to have a semi-successful career in, in well, Formula so this was 1? The, basic, this, this, the kart track I was at, was uh, it was called um, Formula Fun, which is a terrible pun. Eurogamer level pun there. So. Yeah, it was awful. And so that was kind of, that's kind of an amateurish level. And then beyond that, I, I they I got um, got some money together to go real racing, which was cadet racing at the time at a track called Rye House. And this ah, is kind of more okay. semi-professional. Um, and I had my first race there. I think my first race, did I win? No, I think I came second in my first race. You could um, say that you won. I mean, no one would know. You could well, yeah, but this, I say fudge. I say one. When you first start racing these things uh, at that level, you get you start off as a novice. And so you get like a black uh, number plate and you, draw, you start at the back and you race with all the other people who have only just started racing. Ah, okay. And so I had my first few races and, and my Amongst the novices, I did quite well. Um, my third race at Rye House, um, I thought I was the dog's bollocks, basically. I thought I was amazing because I'd had a small amount of success. I was kind of used to run quite a lot of the indoor kart track and thought I was half decent. And then uh, in, in the final, uh, I was leading the first eight laps of the final thinking, I'm going get to get a win here in, in class, that is not overall. Uh, and then this little kid overtook me coming into the S's with two laps to go. Uh, it's a brilliant move, actually. I still remember the move. He came in all, 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 all brakes locked up and everything, steaming on the inside of me. And then, yeah, held on, held on by his, uh, no, he didn't hold, he went off race off into a distance and yeah and afterwards i was like oh that was that was pretty good and i went to go and find him in the paddock and he was there with his dad packing up into i think he had a little voxel estate um and i quite liked that at the time as well because of even at that even when you're like a amateur everyone had a lot of money and i didn't come from a i don't come from like a, a massively uh, rich background and everything that we used to do the racing out the back of a beating up a state car and this kid as well had the same kind of had the same kind of deal as him and his dad's operating out of the back of an estate car and it's like you're cool you haven't got like the motorhome you haven't got your own mechanics and everything you're doing it yourself yeah. and i shook his hand and said yeah i like you you're gonna do well and obviously um that turned out to be uh lewis hamilton who was uh only eight at the time and i think i was 11 because i started as i said i quite started off quite late yeah uh and i was like yeah you'll do all right lewis and he did just fine but that is yeah. an amazing story given i mean his celebrity today he i don't know where does he stand in the overall ranking of greatest drivers well, i am i am biased but also i don't think it's it's not too controversial to say he's the greatest there's ever been wow and, and also because, I mean, by, by quite some margin as well i think you I probably set him off on that you never know he your race with him might have been the thing he needed to propel him. He he might have been suffering from have confidence you, issues. Yeah, totally. Have you ever seen the uh, the Senna film? You probably haven't. There's a, a I document- haven't. I wanted there's, to. There's a documentary about Ayrton Senna. Um, it's really really good. Even if you're not a racing fan, I'd highly recommend watching it. But at the end of the documentary, um, with the last scene, they ask Senna who his greatest rival is, and everyone expects it's going to be like oh, it's, it's Martin say, Robinson. Everyone expects he's going to say Alain Prost or something, uh, something like that. And Senna goes, he just thinks about it like he used to. He's quite a thoughtful person, and he's like. He thinks all the, and all the press are assembled waiting to hear who his greatest rival in his career has been. And he goes, it's Terry Fullerton. And everyone's like, who the fuck? Who's Terry Fullerton? And Terry Fullerton was this uh, old geezer that Senna used to race in carts. 
Um, and he said, like, back then it was real racing. And I still hold out some dim hope that at the end of Hamilton's career, he's going to be there in a press conference. And they're going to say, so Hamilton, who was your greatest rival? Was it Max Verstappen? Was it Fernando Alonso? Uh, like, who was it? And he goes, uh, Martin Robinson. I, it won't happen. <laughs> it won't happen at all. He's but, probably um, going to listen to this this episode. I'm sure. He's a, he's a big fan of mine. So, yeah, I'm sure he will. So you're racing. I had no idea that I knew that you raced, but I had no idea you raced that kind of competitively so how how much of your week was taken up racing how many hours a week well like it would have a lot you spend i'd spend all the whole every evening you'd go and did you even go to school because you're in your victorian uh <laughs> in my in between in between being up chimneys and everything uh <laughs> no it was like it was it, it was quite serious obviously you fitted it around school and everything but you'd spend every evening in the in the um with the cart stripping it down tidying it up rebuilding the engine and doing that kind of thing and looking after it and then on friday night you would bang it all in the back of a of the sierra state um and then drive to whatever track we went to and then you'd yeah you'd spend the whole weekend there i was really lucky as well it was a real golden age for um for driving talent so um i was i'm not i wasn't i wasn't amazing i was like at best i was, I was midfield but i got to race alongside not only lewis hamilton um jensen button um wow Anthony Davidson, you probably don't know, and uh, unfortunately, unfortunately, quite a few of the drivers I raced against have um, sadly died since. Um, Justin Wilson and Dan Weldon, who um, both lost their lives in America, um, but are, are incredible drivers. And it's it's a real honour to have been able to go up against these people and then kind of follow their careers since and see how well they've done. It's been it's been brilliant. So this passion for why do you stop karting? I presume you have. I don't know that you cart uh, anymore. So why did this come to an end? How did this come to an end? when um money basically so i got to like 15 um i was never like I, surely I by 15 you've been working for five years you've probably saved <laughs> quite a lot of... all that money would go straight back into all that money would go i would go straight back into karting or buying video games buying like an n64 for a stupid amount of money um but yeah like so like at 15 uh it just the money run out basically because i never we did it kind of with sponsorship and everything but even then it still costs like i still think it costs about a grand or two to run a season and everything and we had a lot wow. of covered by sponsors but that's to do it at an am very very basic amateur level that's just having a car turning up and paying 50 pounds fuel for the weekends 70 pound entry fee or whatever wow but the other drivers like we'd turn up in, in the sierra estate and everything events someone will turn up next to us as a motorhome and have a, like a 15 person team and they would have like a different set of tires for every session we'd have a set of tires to last us for an entire season uh, they'd have an engine rebuild after every race we'd like to wow. rebuild our engine after like um after every season kind of thing and so you can't compete at that level and so you have to kind of get picked up if you're if you've got talent um that has happened to lewis famously um Picked up by uh, Martin Hines in the Ziplot, I think it was, and then obviously uh, backed by um, Ron Dennis and McLaren uh, when he was a very tender age. I I didn't have that raw talent to get picked up, and I didn't have the money to kind of force the issue. Oh, as some, drivers, I feel as some drivers do. And also, you must be, uh, also I can picture I, you watching from the sidelines. You know, as Lewis gets picked up, and you're like, oh, "What about me?" Yeah, no, but also, also at 15, I got into drugs and music as well. So that was, so that was, that was another distraction. Um, and hey, if you hadn't done that, you might not be working for Eurogamer now. Exactly. So who's, what, yeah, who's what, loss is it really? Exactly. It's a, it's a drug addiction that, that, that led me here, basically. So your racing passion at that point, um, I, I imagine you've followed the sport um, on the telly for forever, as long as you can remember. But your passion goes from driving in real life 
um, I hope you don't do it in your car, into games, presumably. Yeah, yeah, totally, because it's a good, there's a, it's, it's a good way to kind of um, satisfy that desire, I guess, that competitive desire. And so as long as I've been into, um, into motorsport, I've been into racing games from, I think my first racing game I ever played would have been pole position on the Atari VCS. I'm not that old, but it's just like, we only had an Atari VCS when I was growing up because um, we you know, didn't, couldn't afford like the other consoles. So we had an old wooden Atari VCS till I was about like 10, 11. Um, and I had pole position on that. And then my dad's bought his work PC back and I just about managed to get Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix running on it. And then that used to, in, when I wasn't, the weekends I wasn't racing, I used to set up entire race weekends in the, in Jeff Crammon's Grand Prix, run full-length Grand Prix, do every single practice session um, in it. And then I'd do all the, the Friday practice sessions I'd do on a Friday. The Saturday qualifying I'd do on a Saturday. I used to print out all the timing sheets afterwards and analyze them afterwards. And during the week, I used to write a little magazine about the fake races. <laughs> I was such a sad bastard. <laughs> Passionate. Yeah, don't stay uh, sad, passionate. And so I used to like I used to treat the video games as seriously as I treated the real racing. Really, what did you write in these magazines? Presumably, you were the star. Not necessarily. I used to like I used to make up stories and have like fake interviews of the drivers. <laughs> oh my god, it's so tragic. Should we do I one now? Yeah. Should we? Do you want to do a <laughs> no, fake no, god now? no. Um, and uh, yeah, like so. I also I wanted to write about stuff as well. I did. I always wanted to be like a journalist. Weirdly. Um, and so I really enjoyed writing about these things and making up these stories and like aping the kind of stories that I used to read in autosport at the time and these kind of and make up the make up these big controversies and dramas and everything. Oh, it's really tragic. Sorry. <laughs> it's not, it's not. It's fascinating. So this kind of sim uh spirit that you have for, for simulations, you were simulating Grand Prix Formula One back then. Yeah, totally, because I guess um, Jeff Crammon's F1 Microprose Grand Prix was one of the first sims, and Jeff kind of invented the sim in a lot of ways, because of his um, revs, which was one of his first games, was like 1984-85, and it simulates Formula 3, and I think it's probably one of the first kind of proper racing sims uh, that was ever uh, ever ever done kind of a similar similar kind of time to the original microsoft flight simulator a few years later than that but kind of a similar kind of spirit one of these very early obviously very primitive right now but still absolutely brilliant actually rev still holds up in in, in many ways yeah and so these these were kind of the forefront of simulators and they were quite easy to get hold of um obviously pc gaming being like as it was back then uh, you didn't yeah it was it was quite easy to get hold of games uh, under the counter as it were um <laughs> Uh, yeah, and so uh, and so it was a really good uh, outlet for it. I mean, I, I used to play. I played. Uh, used to do whole Grand Prix in uh, Microprose Grand Prix, playing on the keyboard. Um, How long is a real a full Grand Prix? How long would that take you? Uh, for the actual race, would be two hours. Okay. Uh, yeah, so it'd be two hours sat by the keyboard doing. Um, and also because of the AI wasn't so good. I remember I used to lap everyone about three times in the race and everything. It used to be quite, it used to be a struggle actually to keep it interesting because of I used to just go around and run circles around everyone. Who were you, when you were racing, who was in your head? Who were you pretending to be? Which, which racer? Were you like, here comes Schumacher? My heroes at the time. So when I, my first hero, uh, when I was a kid, because I'm a contrary asshole, um, I grew up around the time of Mansell Mania. And I okay. hated, I hated Nigel Mansell. It's because of his moustache. Yeah, uh, it's that, it's that, it's because he's a whiny bastard. And he just didn't seem very cool and everything. And so my first, my first real hero um, was Nelson Piquet, who was uh, Nigel Mansell's teammate uh, in 1987, famously kind of stole the championship from him. But I also liked him as well, because he had a really kind of childish sense of humour. He once, he once This explains in... so much. <laughs> he once came into the pits. Um... <coughs> Sorry, excuse me. 
when driving for Brabham, I think, and he thought it'd be hilarious to uh, mimic the Mary Celeste. And so he came into the pits and then dived out of the car as it came to the pit entrance. So his car just came with no driver and just coasted into the pits. This is so unbelievably unsafe. The other thing he would do as well, he used to take great pride in uh, pissing in his seat and then getting the mechanic to go and change his pedals afterwards and then wander around in, his, in do, the pool of his piss. Do people piss in their seats? Is that a thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, well, I've, I've never actually, I, I, well, I've never raced a full Grand Prix. Yeah, but you drivers wee themselves all the time. Where are they going? Where are they going to go? I don't know. I'm not sure in, if anyone's in the toilet, done. like most other grown. Well, typically, because of motorsport, it's quite, um, it's quite an intense uh, activity, basically. And typically, you're, you're quite dehydrated. So you don't typically have to wee. But, are you um, telling me that Lewis Hamilton has weed in his car? Probably. I might, maybe not though. Like some, some drivers do, some drivers don't. I think they all would have done at some point. Some of them have done a lot worse than that. <laughs> like, I'm not, actually, I'm not, I'm not for sure if anyone's done a number two. Obviously, be slipping around in it. Yeah, no, that must be horrible. That must be awful, though. It must be so uncomfortable. Uh, anyway, sorry. Nelson Piquet was my um, was my first hero. Uh, I, I adored him. And then uh, when he he retired, kind of nineteen ninety one, and so I switched my allegiance to another Brazilian driver, uh, Ayrton Senna, at the time. Um, who obviously, yeah, I'm sure you're familiar with him and his... Even, even I know who Ayrton Senna is. Yeah, um, I, I'm lucky enough to go and see them all drive as well. I'd lucky enough, I met Nelson Piquet um, in 1990. I went to the British Grand Prix and uh, my dad arranged... I went to, I was, uh, went to go and get his autograph. Uh, I went to go to the paddock and was waiting outside. Um, and it was my... The British Grand Prix always lands on my birthday, brilliantly. And <laughs> uh, my dad said, oh, let's go and see if we can see him. And then I was waiting outside of like a mob of people waiting to see if Nelson Piquet would walk past at any point. And then uh, someone from his team, Benetton, came up and said, oh, are you Martin Robinson? It's like, yeah, yeah, that's me. It's like, oh, I'll come through. Your dad's arranged a special surprise for you. And they oh, ushered me wow. in. And I went and sat on Nelson Piquet's lap and uh, tried to talk to him, but he was deaf as a post. <laughs> 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 so I had to go and talk to his other ear, but um, yeah, I was lucky to go and see him, and so I saw Senna drive and all that kind of thing. And so, yeah, it was it was brilliant to go and see these people in the flesh and meet some of them even. So we're going to whiz through the history of, uh, of video course, games yeah. because there's there's a massive history of racing video games. But which have been some of your favourites over the years? Um, the ones that are kind of that have really grabbed my attention. Oh my god, there's so many. I, mean, I love them all. But I imagine they're all quite different in their niche ways. I don't know enough about racing to appreciate that but yeah so like the ones that the, the early sims are the ones that really kind of spoke to me so it's obviously jeff Crammon's grand prix and then it was the uh, papyrus games papyrus were this uh sorry those p's are going to sound horrible here papyrus were like um this uh cool studio that made again some of the first sims in tandem with what jeff Crammond was doing but whereas jeff Crammond was doing the f1 papyrus was an american studio and so they did indy 500 which came out in 1989 um, and again, I played that absolutely loads on, on my PC. Uh, it was just, all it was was the Indy 500 race. So it was just the, uh, the Indy 500, I'm not sure if you know, it's just an oval race. So it's basically a circle and you just race around in a circle with 33 other cars. But it did that with such um, authenticity that I hadn't seen before. And I was, I was obsessed with that. And so I thought other Papyrus games I, I loved as well. They did Indy car games and then Grand Prix Legends, which is uh, a, like a replica of the 1967 Formula One season. Um, and that came out in the mid nineties, me and my dad were obsessed with that. And I think that's the first time I kind of got a steering wheel as well and got a bit more serious about playing these things, like playing Grand Prix Legends, trying to keep the Lotus 49 on track, um, uh, it, which is quite difficult to do. Um, yeah, so those were kind of the, they're the, 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 
the like the Grail ones, the games which I hold nearest and dearest. And then obviously there's console stuff as well, like Gran Turismo and um, Forza to a lesser extent. Uh, but so I, I, Forza is still really good. Uh, but I guess really the ones that I, the ones that really really spoke to me were those early those early Sims, which then blossomed into something else. Um, so Papyrus did Indy 500 and Grand Prix Legends, and then various other things. And then in 2008, um, the people who made those games started a service called iRacing. Um, which, ah. um, obviously went on to do a various went on to do quite well for itself and blossomed into something else so do you you said that your dad wasn't particularly into racing but it sounds like you've shared quite a lot of this passion with him over the years yeah yes it's, it's like um i think he had a he had a like a um uh, a passing interest in it and i think he loved he loved jim clark and lotus and kind of followed up but he was a football person he was a he was a football referee uh, and a goalkeeper oh, really? as well um yeah uh he refereed like he refereed he would not at the highest level i think he refereed brentford and maybe i think he did a couple of fa cup games as well okay uh, and he was a goalkeeper and so uh, i think my my family kind of uh, was wanting me to toughen up and get into into kind of football and everything and not the namby pamby world of motorsport um and so yeah, so he but he kind of shared that with me, and then I think uh, my passion for it kind of ignited a passion inside of him, and it is, it has been from the, from day one. It's been a father son thing. From um, going to the kart track together, he used to work there, uh, and then going to races together, um, going to motor racing together. We still do it to this day. Um, we still get in the car and follow, go to stupid places, and go and, go and watch uh, like Le Mans or go to Spa. Um, he still comes around here every Sunday to watch the Grand Prix and everything. So it's, it's, it has and always will be like a father son thing as well. That's really nice. Do you have a kind of ritual when you're watching? Uh... I don't know, when you're watching the games, do you have a, a kind of ritual that you settle into? Well, the ritual is kind of get a coffee, get extremely nervous at the start. Like even I've been watching motorsport for God knows how many years. And um, still when they're, when they're all on the grid and the uh, lights are about to go out, I still, I, I still have that same kind of, the heart's still racing. And it could be because I always have a pot of coffee beforehand. Um, <laughs> like, no, but I still have that kind of, I'm, I'm still like a child, basically. I'm still there on the edge of my seat. Um, especially uh, we just had a race con this Sunday, which the start was absolutely hilarious. I'm still, probably my neighbours are wondering what the hell is going on as I'm jumping up and down screaming. <laughs> like, and my girlfriend comes down going, what's going on? And it's like, ah, Valerie Bottas just took out all the Red Bulls. It's hilarious. It's what's like, your favourite part of a race? Is it the beginning? The beginning's the most exciting, and then after a couple of laps, you realise that maybe it might not be such a good race, and it kind of settles down. And then you might even have a doze. But it depends. Every race is different. Motorsport is such a rich, broad sport, and F1 is just one very small part of it. And so, um, sorry, excuse me. Uh, I started off as an F1 fan, but um, as I got older, and thanks to kind of ma uh, making friends who are into motorsport, they opened my eyes to other aspects of it. And so um, in recent years, I've become more of a kind of a sports car fan, and uh, which is Le Mans, which is probably uh, something you know, um, the 24-hour race, which is a pinnacle of uh, sports car racing. And for me, that's something, uh, there's, a, there's a romance about 24-hour racing, which I absolutely love. The fact of just, just driving a car for 24 hours um, as a team endeavor, it's a very different kind of uh, sport in some ways to F1, um, because it's this team thing, every, you get three drivers share a car, and so it's more of a, there's a sense of camaraderie to it. And you wouldn't wee in the seat if you're sharing with someone oh, else, would I you? Think, I think they still do. They still do. But, um, and so when it comes to that, my favourite part of that kind of race is um, when the sun sets or even better, when the sun rises. And if you're lucky enough to go to Le Mans, you kind of make a point of getting up at, or probably you might have even stayed up all night long and you're there at like four, half four, five o'clock in the morning and you go and find the spot to see when the sun starts rising. And oh, they wow. Call it, um, 
happy hour basically because that's when the track's at its best as well because of the atmospherics and the condition of the track it's rubbered in the heat's right good and that's when the cars go fastest as well and it's like when drivers start to really cane it as well uh, and just that is a, always a special time especially if you're there with friends at Le Mans you've been you've driven all the way down there you've had a bit of like a pilgrimage and um, you've probably been might have been drinking all night smoking all night with some friends and everything and you're sat there on like the Dunlop chicanes watching the sunrise and it's quite like it's it's, it's quite an emotional thing like seeing I know it sounds ridiculous that basically sitting at a spot and seeing some cars whiz by is emotional but it can be when you see them and they're all kind of dirty from all the what's happened in the night some of them being held together by masking tape because of they've been knocked about in the night and it's um yeah it's beautiful so that's I love the start of an F1 race I love happy hour in uh, in an endurance race <laughs> I love it all. I, I'm glad you qualify that. I love happy hour. <laughs> I love happy hour in general, yeah. Um so Le Mans kind of brings us on to what you had mentioned before, which is iRacing, racing, which is the current simulation uh that you kind of that you run. And this is quite involved. I don't know if again not everyone's watching this uh, on video, but behind you, this this is the shed where the magic happens, isn't it? So tell us <laughs> sounds again i love happy hour so tell us a bit about iRacing. racing this is a virtual reality experience oh it's not necessarily it, it can be virtual reality it doesn't have to go i choose to okay. go virtual reality mostly because of lack of space because i haven't got the space to have a big triple screen set up and everything um and it's just easy to set up that way um yes yeah, so iRacing, racing uh, as i said it's kind of started in 2008 i think i could have got that wrong but yeah uh, and it had a, a rough start and everything because it's basically a, it's a live service almost mmo-ish you have to pay a monthly subscription okay and then on top of that monthly subscription you have to pay for the cars and the tracks um okay. and so it can be quite expensive it requires a lot of it requires investment like that and it requires time investment to be any good at it and it's um it's centered around competitive racing so it's an online racing thing basically it's racing against other people who also take it quite seriously and so yeah i it's something i've always kind of toyed with and everything and i played it i think i i got into it in about 2011 for for a year or two um but it it takes a lot of effort and so i kind of bounced off it for a while I did like one year's worth of racing and then it's like, that was good, but I haven't got the time to do this again properly. And then obviously um, last year happened and uh, everyone had a lot more time on their hands. Um, racing came to a real racing came to a halt. And so me and a bunch of friends um, who'd kind of tinkered about racing and um, played racing games a fair bit, were like, let's get back into this. Uh, and one of our friends was like super hardcore into it and helped us kind of ushered us back into it. And so I was like, let's let's have the goal of doing Le Mans properly this year. Um, let's let's get a team together and let's get a few of us to do the Le Mans 24 hour. And it's a it's a serious investment because doing the Le Mans 24 hour in eye racing is doing 24 hours of racing. So, the, so you and your friends would race over 24 a day yeah. in real time. Yeah. Against hundreds of other people uh, also sharing a car and so yeah and so it is it's you have to block out a weekend for it um you obviously don't spend 24 hours in the car on your own solo. So i hope you don't wee in your seat behind you i'm not saying anything <laughs> i've got a little thing i can wee into no i don't <laughs> that's your water bottle <laughs> so yeah it's you have to it's a, it's a serious time investment to do it and you kind of because you'll share a car as well um there's a sense of heightened responsibility if you're just driving yourself and just kind of racing yourself if you punt someone off the track or if you go off and, and damage the car or something you're like oh well that's on me it's my fault when you're sharing a car with typically you do it with like about four or five other people and so you can 
so that's responsible amount. So you each you drive about four or five hours over that twenty-four hour period. But you have a sense of responsibility for the car and to the team and to your teammates. And um, it feels awful if you damage it. Um, and if, say, for example, this is your first ever Le Mans, and they let you do the start because they know you're quite emotionally attached to Le Mans, and then you end up punting the car. <laughs> and spending 10 minutes in the pits which is quite a serious amount of time you feel awful about it so how do you how do you swap the do your does your little person kind of walk out of the car or is it just you nothing so fancy oh nothing so fancy basically you come into the pits and then you'll typically have someone on discord there spotting for you and then you just basically get out get out of the car and someone else gets in it's that simple it's just a straight driver swap like okay that. So you're in your shed, in your racing chair that's behind you, but you, we can't really see. It's actually um, not. It's, it's, it's a racing deck chair. I'm not. I'm, uh, it's because I'm still quite amateurish when it comes to these things, and so it's, okay. it's unfortunately folded away. But yeah, sorry. It is. It is typically my little deck chair is folded up behind me. So you have, and you have your pedals, you have your steering wheel, you have your uh, headset on, your VR headset on, and you come in and you take over the race from your pals. And you have to race for how long is your stint? Depends. Kind of, we do. Um, I could get too. I get too much into team tactics. It depends what kind of tactics we're doing. Sometimes. Okay. Might... So you don't have to race once. You can get out and get back in. And... Yeah, 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 yeah. So like, I like typically like um, you might do the start and do a double stint, which would be about an hour and a half, maybe. Yeah, about an hour and a half, uh, or maybe a triple. So that's like it'd be two uh, two and a quarter hours. And I know it doesn't seem like a lot and I shouldn't, obviously you might not think it's that much of a physical endeavor, but it can be when you've got a decent force feedback will and, um, and you're, and you'll have, you're at it for two and a quarter hours. And also the sheer amount of concentration required, it can be seriously draining, like doing this for, um, for that amount of time. And so, yeah, typically you'll do like a triple and then hand the car over and then maybe do a triple, uh, later that night. Um, and also the way we've got our team as well, we've got, um, like a few of us over here in, uh, in Europe, uh, a few people in, uh, the East coast of America and a few people on the West coast of America. And so it works quite well. We kind of have a, like a road that we can drive ah. around the clock, uh, which, which yeah, works out quite nicely. So no one's getting up at three in the morning to do a stint or well, they can, if you want. And I have done that because it's quite fun. So yeah, talk me through this. Cause you wrote a piece for the site called why i race which was talking about i racing and talking about your love of le mans and the happy hour again i love happy hour so you woke up at 3 a.m to do this kind of happy hour stint yeah and that's to see that as, as, as i mentioned earlier that's kind of when the sun is rising and um and did it happen in game in the same way yeah yeah so obviously um <clears throat> i racing kind of uh has day night transitions uh and uh has tracks it has track conditions changing as well and so the track will um track evolution even and so every lap is basically different because of the the way the rubber's on the track the temperature of the track the the, the ambient conditions and everything and so it does have that and so uh just by having those elements in place those real world elements in place it means you do simulate happy hour and you do have that that time in the morning when the track is incredible when the sun is rising which is quite nice and apart from when it maybe just rises a bit too much and you get blinded going through like the um i forget where it is what happens uh, where the sun rises um uh, at that time of the morning uh, where it hits your eyes i think it's coming in coming through the porsche curves where you start getting it in your eyes i love so, it you know that I, I could be wrong though i'm trying i'm trying to think from memory i probably am wrong <clears throat> but then and so you kind of get blinded by the sun as well uh, which can be difficult when you're um trying to lap slower cars um because that's the thing that's all about Le Mans. It's not, um, it's not just one race. Le Mans is, <laughs> it's four races at once on the same track, sharing it. And they're different 
like abilities as well. So you've got GT cars, which are like the slowest, but still incredibly fast. They still go okay. 180, 200 miles an hour. Then you've got um, GTM cars, which is where all the gents who aren't maybe not that good at driving, but have just got a lot of money when they do it. They, they go out as well and so they're driving those cars but they're a bit slower lmp2 cars which are more like real racing cars and then lmp1 cars which are like spaceships with hybrid systems and that like go insanely fast and so and then they throw them all on track at once wow. and so it's like it's like having it's like having if you think a game of football is good imagine if you put like a league one game and a league two game and a league two game <laughs> all at once and then get them to do it for 24 hours it's brilliant it's just it's absolute chaos and madness so yeah you have all these different things to consider at once do you talk to your dad about iRacing has your dad tried iRacing oh yeah he's um he's come into the shed and played it um because he he loved Grand Prix Legends he still he still wants me to get Grand Prix Legends to to get work on his his PC and like dad things have moved on now we've got iRacing by the same people who did Grand Prix Legends with the same cars you should try it out <coughs> sorry excuse me and so yeah he comes out and drives he comes out and drives and also he's um when we do our races we throw it up on Twitch and uh he watches he watches at home sometimes and oh watches the that's nice what does uh, your wife think about this? She's supportive. <laughs> I mean, she's nice enough to let me uh, have the weekends off to, to, to do it and everything and understands. Um, and also, it's just, especially in the last year as well, it's just, it's been a really nice way just to hang out with people. Who obviously, socialising has um, been hard over the last year and it's been really nice to have a space to get together with friends and do something and chat because a lot of it is as well. Sometimes you're <clears throat> into like the third stint. <clears throat> Sorry, excuse me, I'm a little bit at the moment. You'll be into like the third stint and everything and things might have died down a little bit and there might there might not be much action. You're just kind of stroking a car around in the dead of the night and you just you're just chatting to two or three people in America and everything and just and talking to them. And so it is um this kind of social forum as much as it is a competitive forum. In fact, it's not a competitive forum at all. Our team makes a point of not going for wins. We just go for crazy stories, silly comeback drives and just having a good time really. It's not it's not a competitive thing. Our team are made up of kind of refugees from more professional teams who got a bit sick of having to train like relentlessly and having to take it so seriously and you just want to come and have a place to have fun basically there's always that divide in online games where some people take it to the extreme and then they get a bit burnt out on that and then they pull it back to the kind of more social side i love that this passion for racing just runs through your family and of course you're a father now and you take your daughter to uh to the formula one as well yeah she hasn't been to formula one actually i'd love to take her there. oh um but uh, she has been to she's been to gt racing as well um and yeah she she loves it uh mainly uh through osmosis i think because she spends a lot of sundays um with uh, <laughs> with us but she's i think it's when she is so just so the first Le Mans was she was born in April and Le Mans is in June and so uh, the 2016 Le Mans was her first Le Mans which was um, for Le Mans fans will know that was quite a famous Le Mans it's when Toyota lost it on the last lap <clears throat> of a 24-hour race with, wow. th with three minutes to go and Toyota had never won Le Mans uh, and so it was a really big deal at the time for them and yeah she watched that with us and she's watched it with us ever since and she's always kind of gets animated and excited and and, and, and loves it and so um, yeah she's she's become kind of part of the ritual as well she watches every race of us she was laughing loud than I was on uh, on Sunday when Val when uh, Valtteri Bottas wiped out with the Red Bulls. Um, she just she she's absolutely hilarious. And so yeah, <laughs> has, uh, and so um, watching the race, me, her, and my dad watching the race together is kind of that is our ritual, basically, all of us watching together. I think that's lovely. Thinking back to gaming iRacing presumably continues to evolve as one thing and will just grow and and develop as iRacing. Yeah. So besides iRacing and back in maybe console land and PC land, what games are you looking forward to? What's coming up that's exciting for you? In, in terms of racing games? Yeah. Uh, 
I st it's, it's a cop out because I'm going to say uh, I'm looking forward to the um, for years. I racing has got all these wonderful elements to it, but it has never had rain. And uh, and um, over the weekend there was a uh, a charity race uh, for MS, um, which my team took part in. I'm quite, I'm quite proud to say we were one of the top um, earners in terms of raising money for oh, charity. Wow. Uh, and then uh, as part of, uh, as part of that um, race, the I racing people came on and said, as, as a treat for everyone, we're going to show you something we're working on. And they showed rain working in the game for the first time, which is a big deal. Uh, and that's coming at the end of the year. So I'm looking forward to that first and foremost. But also um, there's kind of a new player in the space, uh, a company called Motorsport Games, um, who okay. have got the rights to the virtual Le Mans. They ran the, um, so last year, Le Mans couldn't happen in its normal time slot of June for obvious reasons. And so they did a virtual version of it with the real drivers, with Max Verstappen, Charles Leclerc and, uh, and everyone. Uh, and um, they ran that uh, in R Factor 2. And they are now working on an official Le Mans game, uh, which will be the first time we've had that for a long time. And they're also working on a touring car game, BTCC game. Uh, I'm Toka 2 is a, a much-loved racing game for a lot of people, and everyone's been asking for a touring car game ever since, like a proper one, and that is finally coming, so I cannot wait to see what those guys do. I think it's going to be incredible. And also good to have some proper competition for iRacing, um, because, yeah, because of um, it kind of operates out there on its own when it comes to that competitive space. So I'm looking forward to those. With console gaming, it's hard to say, because there is, there is a gulf between between the two as much as Gran Turismo sort of calls itself a sim um, uh, and it is in some ways but it's not it's not in the same league in many ways as uh, stuff can like you racing. can you have that sim experience on console are they just incompatible in terms of tone and audience and... there's no reason why not I mean I've been playing like there used to be that kind of misnomer that you can't have sims on console but I've been playing flight sim on console the past couple of weeks and I love it I kind of like it in that more casual space and as, if you can plug a wheel into it um, there's no reason why not why you can't have that and I kind of I hope maybe with motorsport games coming into the space they'll be more console minded and be able to translate that experience onto console because um, it's an experience that I kind of want everyone I wish everyone who liked racing games could have because of there's it's 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 so fantastic. It's so wonderful being able to do these kind of events and being able to experience um, something like doing Le Mans in iRacing or any kind of endurance event. Uh, like I did Spa 24 a couple of weeks ago. Um, and there's, Spa there's... 24 sounds to me like you've gone to a mini market. <laughs> for 24 minutes or 24 hours well the other thing is it's a spa weekend as well i was I used to go i used to go to the actual race itself and go for a nice spa weekend with my dad which means just driving to belgium and then standing in the pissing rain in the ardennes forest and watching cars drive around for 24 hours but yeah i kind of hope it can happen on console that you can have that experience because it's, it's wonderful and there's no reason why it shouldn't work on there basically well i hope that the uh, console game makers hear this and take that as a call to action martin robinson you have been lovely thank you so much for talking to me about racing um do you think that you will ever step foot inside a cart again or take your passion to the real life track uh i'd love to um but it's so bloody expensive i'm lucky enough that i um my dad's got a nice little Lotus Elise Series 1, uh, which he bought when he retired. And uh, I live about 20 minutes drive from Brands Hatch. And so I still, three or four times a year, um, we take it to Brands Hatch and I do track days there. But I think that's about as serious as I'm ever going to get when it comes to real racing. Right now, virtual racing does a trick for me, though. It's, it's accessible, it's cheap, it's a place to hang out with my mates. I'm not going to say it's as good as the real thing, but uh, I get to watch that every Sunday. Um, and so I, I'm, I'm happy watching the, the pros do their stuff when it comes to the real thing, when it comes to competing, um, virtual racing more than scratches that age for me. Perfect. Thank you so much, Martin, for, for talking to me today. And thank you, everybody, for listening. And we will be back soon with more lovely stories for you to sink into. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.